That's into right field. Long run for Pilar. And Pilar all out into foul territory to make the play. Bogarts with a drive out to right field. Judges back on it, and that one's gone. Against all odds, here's a high fly ball driven deep to right. Verdugo back to the pen. Leaps up. He caught it. He caught the ball. He took it back. And I will keep on waiting for a better day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the pesky poll podcast the 75th episode how you guys doing it today joining me we have i call him the original og of the channel one of the first true fans definitely on the instagram but i believe for the podcast as well hailing from new jersey also a cowboys fan which we already talked about in a previous episode patrick what's going on my guy yo what's up guys just uh just excited to be here Yo, bro, it is awesome to have you on. Like I said, we had you on for the episode 69, the whole big, the big episode, which was nice. But, and I was thinking to myself, like, wait, I've never had him on the show by himself. Like, I had to do that when I finally freed up some time. So we finally got stuff freed up. Love to have you on the show. We got a lot of big Red Sox news to cover because last episode, I wasn't able to cover anything because of the interview. So now we got about a week's worth of content, which let me tell you, when you're doing this show twice a week, you run out of content every now and then, which is a little weird to think since the Red Sox play every day, but what are you going to do, you know? But with that being said, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to the channel. There is a big announcement I'm going to say right off the jump, and there's going to be a part two to this announcement coming out later. But part one is the Pesky Paul podcast will officially be going back to once a week episodes. We're not going to have two times a week anymore. I will be posting now every Saturday. So no Sunday, no two, no Wednesday. Now it's going to be in every Saturday thing. I'll tell you part two after we finish recording, but part two has to remain a secret for now to the public. That being said, Patrick, you ready to go? Absolutely. All right. So first thing that we got to talk about All right now, I graduated college on the 9th, right? Came back down to Tennessee on the 10th. It is now the 30th. So within three weeks of me leaving, we go back to full capacity in, in Fenway Park. And that pisses me off because that was my last wish. All right. I already missed a semester and a half of school because of all this, where I was stuck down in Tennessee. And then we finally allowed back. Red Sox start out in my goal. I want to get to a game. I want to feel full capacity. I went to one game where it was terrible because it was 12% capacity. Everybody was so far away from each other. It was so quiet there, which is not what you see from a Fenway Park game. It was just terrible. I hated it. And the seats were insanely expensive for cheap seats now we're back to full capacity and we got to see the full ramifications of that in this last series aren't you excited to have us finally back at full capacity uh, i this it's just awesome to see especially like you could even like hear it from the tv 
just adds a whole new element of excitement. The players definitely love it. Uh, I I guess just take it as a positive. It gives you a reason to go back. So, have you ever been to a Red Sox game? Yep, yep, been to a few. When was the last time you went? Probably 2017, I think. Oh, so you haven't been in a while. Jeez, you got to get back Not up. Not a while. No, you got yep. to get back up there. Like, I don't know. I, I'm actually lucky that I was about 45 minutes away from Fenway Park. So all I could do is hop in my car, pay for some parking, get in, get in and enjoy a game. But now I don't have that luxury. Just that. But yeah, you definitely need to go up sometime this year. Because you could say, hey, I went to a game when the Red Sox made their unpredictable playoff run. <laughs> you know, everybody thought this team would suck. Yet we're we're doing something big, you know. And one of the bigger things that um happened, and this is one of the bigger plays, Adam Adovino, bases loaded, two outs against what was it the Phil who Fiscus? Was it the Marlins? It was the Marlins. Yeah. Bases loaded, two outs, Adam Adovino comes in with the slider. Gets him out, and you could just hear Boston erupt. It's the first time we've heard that in over a year. Actually, ever since 2019, which is weird to think about. It's now 2021. But for the first time in 2019, we heard Fenway Park truly erupt. And that was insane. Oh, my God. That was amazing. Did you see that clip? I saw it, yeah, out of, you know, he looked pumped out there. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was hyped. Was awesome. Which, I mean, with him basically spending all of his career in the Yankees, you know, he's used to pitching in front of a full ballpark, all that extra fun stuff. But coming into Boston, I don't know, which fans? Boston and New York are considered two of the worst fan bases out there, which slightly. They'll annoying. let you know if you're messing up. They'll let yes. you know. We, we're perfectionists, you know. I still remember um, the game I went to. Darwinson Hernandez came in to pitch, allowed two straight walks on eight pitches. And as the dude was running to first, we start, the second dude, we started booing Darwinson. And then once he finally threw a strike, the whole place like, started cheering. <laughs> we're terrible people. <laughs> yep. We are but terrible. For Adovino, definitely exciting because – he came, there was so much hype when he first came. I, I thought it was like going to be awesome and he was going to be like, like shut down. And then, uh, I don't know, it, like it kind of disappointed all the way up until the last game. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's a turning point. So I hope so because he, we started out this year with the true battle of who's going to be our closer this year. Is it going to be Barnes or is it going to be Ottavino? Ottavino has slightly proven himself as a closer but was behind Aralds Chapman and Zach Britton throughout the entirety of the past year and a half with the Yankees. So we're like, he could still maybe be our closer if we could get him to get to that point. We're golden, you know, but took a step back this year. And Matt Barnes, I'm, I was quoted, and I will not go back from any of my previous takes because I make a lot of wrong takes. And it's shockingly bad how much I get wrong, you know. For being somebody who covers this team. I've been on air constantly saying that I wanted Matt Barnes gone after his contract this year. And now I am eating my words about that happily. You know, this yeah, Matt Barnes took like seven steps forward 
Like, it was crazy. And it's just the whole narrative of him has changed so much from 2020 to 2021. 2020, we're like, okay, we put Matt Barnes in if we want to lose. Got it. Blown saves galore. That's where we're going is Matt Barnes. Now we're like, if it's if it's a 2-1 game and you have runners on first and second with in the top of the eighth inning with two outs, we will have Matt Barnes and he not only will get us out of that situation, but then he'll come in the ninth to get a 1-2-3 and we're good. I mean, the dude has a strikeout to nine ratio of 16. That's insane. I can't remember the last – well, Chris Sale was close. I think the prime Chris Sale for the Red Sox was at a 14. But 16 is just a whole nother level. This dude has truly proven to be one of the best closers in the game right now. And that's awesome to see, especially for us when we're slightly competing. Yeah, the it's like an elite level strikeout, which is huge in like modern day baseball. You need it because anything else could easily score runs and just ruin the game. Mm-hmm. So these strikeouts are huge for him. So I have a question that's kind of off the topic of that. If Matt Barnes can come into 2021 and completely change around that narrative, do we have any hope for Ryan Brazier? <laughs> The way Matt Barnes is playing, it's like locked up. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not saying as Ryan Brazier as a closer. I'm saying as Ryan Brazier, can he be any better than he was in 2020? Um, <laughs> Obviously, it could happen because it happened to Matt Barnes, but I don't think it could be expected. I, if I was a betting man, that's not a bet I would be putting into. I mean, realistically, he's gonna come in. He's gonna, um, he's gonna not do well. I'm gonna say he's gonna have about a five point five ERA throughout the season for whatever games he does pitch. I'm gonna call a five point five ERA. He's gonna slide down, and honestly, I mean, because Brazier used to be very good for us back in like 2017, 2018, somewhere around there. He's be very good for us, but. I think with the emergence of Garrett Whitlock, Matt Barnes, and a couple other of these relief pitchers that we, we got in here, even Adovino and Saramura, we have a good bullpen. We don't even need him. We don't want him. Please. This is going to sound bad, but stay injured. We're, we're, we're all set, you know. But I'm so glad we got rid of Austin Bryce. That dude was I – I don't want to say a cancer, but he wasn't helping Just wasn't well. working out. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, though, there was one thing that I forgot to put in um, my notes that we got to talk about in a little bit. But first, the Red Sox are officially, officially not the top dogs in the AL East. And it's not to who you would think. Usually around this time when we're starting to get into June, you're thinking Yankees finally decided, oh, we're a competent baseball team. Let's, let's do it. But there's still three games behind us. The Rays have officially taken us over by going 9-1 and one in their last 10 and being statistically one of the best road teams in the MLB. How? Is my question. I mean, they're just playing really good baseball, and you get on a hot streak. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. I'm just – personally, I'm just happy that it wasn't necessarily the Red Sox doing bad that lost them the first place. It was just another team just doing exceptionally better. Oh, so, yeah. like, 
that's that's the good thing is that we're still competing and we're still playing much better than even I expected at the start. Mm-hmm. So that's like that's the good stuff. Oh, even for them, for them to get up past us, they needed to have a godly, and I mean that a godly run. Hold on, I'm gonna look at their schedule real quick because I got to see how many. I think they're like fifteen and one in their past sixteen. It's something insane like that. And you know, when a team is that hot, what are you gonna do? Realistically, there's nothing much you can do there. If you just have to wait for them to cool off and uh, and just keep winning. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, realistically, and I mean, Tampa Bay Rays have been around to surprise us. You know, that's nothing out of the ordinary. They made the World Series last year. But realistically, they're not going to be this hot for long. You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. In the beginning of this month, they went on a five-game win streak. So throughout this month, they're five, five and three, six and three, uh, six and five. And then they went from the 13th, they won three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. They had an eleven game. They had that eleven game win streak. They've lost once, and then now they're on a three game win streak. When they have the Phillies today, which just started, and then the Yankees, a three game series. So, I find it possible they can slide down a little bit, but with the way they're playing right now, I don't know if there's any hope. Well, actually, when you said it, they're playing the Yankees, so I mean that's just good alone because they can't both win, so. Mm-hmm. It'll help the Red Sox out, obviously. It's it's going to help them out either way. But at this point, like for the next four games, what I would love to see, and you're going to hate me for saying this, I'm going to hate myself for saying this. Over the next four games, I need the Red Sox to go on a four-game win streak. I need the get, Rays to lose three and the Yankees to win three in that series. Much I hate to say it, it's our best shot. It keeps the Yankees big... three games underneath us, and that puts the Rays down to two and a half beneath us. That's a big ask <laughs> out of baseball, which baseball is so unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's a lot. Baseball is a very, very weird sport. Not necessarily every day the better team is going to win. Even in the postseason, the better team is not going to win every time. You know, you need to be on your A game every single time you get up to the plate. Oh, and by the way, are we even going to talk about the Orioles? <laughs> no, but the Blue Jays probably deserve some consideration because they're playing some pretty good baseball too. I mean, right now we have four teams in the AL East that are all above 500, which is yeah. very, very respectable. You know, I mean, the AL Central only has two, and the AL West only has two. Let's see if there are any national teams. I mean, the NL West probably has three. Uh, East has one. Central has three, and West has three. So statistically, right now, this is the most competitive um, division in in major leagues. To what I've thought from the beginning, and especially with the Orioles being 15 and a half games out of first already, I mean, they've basically already been statistically eliminated from the playoffs. Yeah. That's, that's how bad it's been for them. It's been, it's been a journey for them. But yeah. like I said, the Rays are nine and one the last ten. The Red Sox are seven and three, and the Yankees are six and four. Realistically, Patrick, where do you see the Red Sox placing in those three? 
realistically, just straight percentages, I'd probably would say second. Um, just because first or third both seem like uh, maybe some extremes. But this is such a tight division. I mean, they could end up anywhere. Mm-hmm. Pass being loud. That's probably a nice wild card spot, though. Just mm-hmm. what I'm imagining um, and, right now. And plus, with it going to where the, um, what does it say, top two teams in each division get a playoff spot, you know, realistically, all three of these teams are going to make the playoffs. One's going to be probably a two seed or a one seed. The other one is probably going to be a four seed. And the last team is going to be a seven seed, realistically, in my opinion. And with that case, you might have whoever wins the division and whoever comes in third fighting it out in round one. Which, with the way this season's been going with these three teams, that would be an insane playoff series. Yeah, 100%. If that was like Red Sox-Yankees, oh, that'd be crazy. Oh. No, what we need, right? We need the Red Sox to finish second in this division, right? Yank- this is going to sound bad. I yank- <laughs> No, no, let me let me do this. The Rays stay on an insane hot streak, right? So they they let's say they finish with the second seed. Red Sox stay where they are. They finish with the fourth. Yankees finish with the seventh seed, all right? The Rays and Yankees fight it out in the first round. The Yankees basically do their best Phoenix Suns impression, and they're a very good regular season team, and then they choke in the playoffs, and then they move on to the second round. They fight whoever's in the second round. I don't know, let's say for 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 this purpose, we'll say the Astros make it to the second round. Yankees-Astros, Yankees win, face the Red Sox in the AL Championship. It's definitely a possibility. Is that not what the people want to see? And if that happens, I think they would. That's it. I think they would love to see the Yankees Astros in the playoffs. I mean, that'd be amazing. Not only that, but Yankees Red Sox. I would say the rivalry would be renewed. We've been oh, we've been 100%. out of the rivalry for a couple of years. The rivalry died down, especially nineteen twenty. Didn't really have any spectacle games. Red Sox kind of sucked, so we never were able to see it in the playoffs. But I think the rivalry might be renewed this year if we can get them both fighting in the playoffs. And honestly, I'm all for it. As much as I'd love to see the Yankees miss the playoffs once, realistically, they got too much money for that to happen. Yep. And, and sadly, yeah. too much talent. And I think the rivalry renewed, I think a huge part of that is the fans. So this year especially is going to be crazy. Oh my god! If if I ever see a Red Sox fan walk up to a Yankees fan at fun at Fenway and knock their lights out, I'm gonna be pissed. All right, we can't have any of that. It was it was kind of cool when that happened to the Rockies fan. I can't say that. That's that's terrible. It was <laughs> it was. How do I say this without getting canceled? Uh, it was it was not right for him to get knocked out, but let's just say it looked funny. All right. Dude, I hope the dude was okay. Wild. I hope he was okay. But he just kind of fell over like a dead fish. It was a good punch. It, it was, was a good punch. punch. I mean, his his form was spot on. Make some make some boxers proud, you know? But <laughs> the question is, I need to know what he said to deserve that. I I need to know what was said. That that dude walked like a full row to get to that guy. 
He walked the full so, row. The dude was sitting there standing his ground, right? And then he made him fall asleep. He made him go to bed. That, yeah, was, that was savage. But let's go back to this team. One of the guys has been insanely struggling for us on the at the plate, Bobby Dahlbeck, right? Bobby Dahlbeck, we came into this season, had an insane short 2020 season. He only played like 15 games, but had like 11 homers. It was something like that. You know, but throughout this 2021, he has been struggling and struggling hard. And we have said this multiple times on the show that he's not where we want him to be. Just striking out too much and not having a good enough batting average. Uh, two times this week, he was benched for Danny Santana, which, first of all, like I said, when I saw that name, I was like, who the hell is Danny Santana? And then he came in here and hit two home runs in his first two games. I'm not going to complain. You're going to come in here and do that. Welcome aboard. Yeah, but then um, Cora was asked, is this a permanent thing? Is Bobby Dahlbeck benched for Danny Santana? Uh, Cora said no. Bobby's going to play. Actually, he's playing two out of the three games in this series. We've got to play the guys we have, look for matchups, and try and win ball games. The question I have for you is, right now, Dahlbeck has a 138 batting average against right-handers. So, is this going to be a permanent thing where we look to get Bobby Dahlbeck out of the lineup against righties, or do we just try and push him through say, you know what, you got this, or are we going to try and be a little more statistical and a little more analytic with our approach to having Bobby Dahlbeck be our first baseman? Well, since we're, what, 50 games into like his rookie year, I, I think it's still a little too early to decide like permanent status and stuff like that. But for the time being, obviously, he has to pick up those numbers. I think I looked at like his war is the lowest on the team, mm-hmm. which that's a terrible sign. That's depressing. But yeah, but he's still so young that obviously could turn so much stuff around. Maybe a new hitting coach, who knows? But yeah, and I think actually it kind of benefits the Red Sox because we really don't have like Bogarts is like one of the only people and Vasquez that like start every single day, same position. Like the outfield's always switching, like first base, second base, they're always switching. So I think the depth kind of might have been one of the reasons why we're doing so well. Like people are actually competing for their spot, fighting for it. And like maybe the Red Sox are just like competing that much better because of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I get that. And it kind of going off what you said, it's kind of lighting a fire underneath these other guys, you know, telling them, hey, get your stuff together or else this guy's got to take your spot. We gave that to Bobby Dahlbeck in bringing up Michael Chavis again. And Michael Chavis came in and said, you know what? I'm going to fight for this spot. And Bobby Dahlbeck just kind of sat there and was just like, eh, he can have it. You know, we didn't see any statistical growth from him. I don't, if anything, he just got worse. And he's been progressively getting worse throughout the entirety of the season. And I know what you're saying, that he's young and we shouldn't turn our back on him yet. But at what point do we pull the plug, say, you know what, take a week, get yourself together, and we'll get you back in the lineup next week? What At what point do we cross that line? I think I think you won't cross that line until at least like the second season. I think rookie season 
it's so much growth and it's just a whole learning experience. Um, just actually like getting acclimated to just every day, like travel and stuff. But I think uh, like the second year is when you could really start going on that. Mm-hmm. And I, I can see that, but let me, this actually works with our next segment that the one that I forgot about. Frenchy Cordero getting optioned down to Wasta. We decided, you know what, enough's enough. I get it's only his first season in Boston, but it's time to pull the plug. And we put him back down. Hopefully he can get his stuff together and be able to come back up to the major leagues right and ready to help us compete for the playoff spot. But we finally decided, you know what, he's doing us more harm than good, and we took him out. Which can it's kind of scary to think about, considering we traded Andrew Benatendi for him, who's batting two eighty five in Kansas City right now. It's not leading to winning games over there, but he's doing he's holding his own. It's just the question is, how do I phrase it? It's I know Bobby Dobick is more valuable to this team than um, French Cordero at this point, but when do we decide? You know we can't rely on four or five guys to keep up our batting when we could get more guys in here. Um, yeah, I think it's still, it's just going to take some time. Uh, still very young. How is Franchi Cordero? I don't, is he old or 26? Yeah, I don't, I don't really know too much about Franchi Cordero, but, um, I don't know. I'm still on the Bobby Dahlbeck train for now. And uh, maybe, hopefully, Franchi will pull together when he's uh, down in the uh, farm club for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I need to look this up real quick. But as much as I love Bobby Dahlbeck, and he is such a power hitter, he just strikes out way too much. You know, I, th- I think he has something along the lines of a 50% strikeout rate. Which Yeah, that's, that's terrible. <laughs> uh, let me see. So far this year, he has 54 strikeouts and 139 at-bats. So that averages out to about a 40% strikeout rate. If I had to guess, is one of the highest in baseball. Let me look at this. I want to look at MLB strikeout rate for hitters. I know my laptop's shaking, but my stand isn't exactly... The best. I have to redneck stuff to. Ah, uh, that's not what I wanted. Um. Oh, here we go. There's just pitchers. No, this is um. What? No, I don't want the least. I want the most. It gave me what I wanted, but. I'll, we'll keep talking about it, and then I'll hopefully find it. <laughs> um. I think we need to go back to Mitch Moreland. Do whatever oh. you have to do to pay for Mitch Moreland. Man, I wish we had Mitch Moreland. That's or it. go all the way back, throw back to Mike Napoli. That'd be I mean, good. If, if we had a prime Mitch Moreland in here, I must say, prime Mitch Moreland was something special. Or, or we call back David Ortiz, and he strictly plays first base. Then we're at something. <laughs> but like I said, I put out a poll on the Instagram. I believe you voted on it. And I said, 
who's our future first baseman, Dahlbeck or Chavis? And 86, 87% said Dahlbeck. And then a lot of people on my post were commenting, no, neither. I'd rather go Cassis. And so I said, you know what? Round two, who is, who's going to be our future first baseman, Dahlbeck or Cassis? And then like, I think it was 70 something percent still voted Dahlbeck. Yeah, I, I was one of the people that voted Dahlbeck both times. Uh, hmm. I've never I've never been a big Chavis fan. Uh, when he comes up, it doesn't seem like he does that well. Um, mm-hmm. But I also wasn't – when I was voting Dahlbeck, it was because he was, like, the best option. Mm-hmm. But I could also see if the Red Sox, like, are pushing and, like, doing very well, maybe they make a move at some veteran first baseman. Not, like, a big star, but just someone who could help the lineup and, like, grow this talent. Mm-hmm. No, I, I really hope so because, man, we we need him right now. If we can just figure out first base, we're fine. You know, second base. If we could get somebody to come in here, out of our farm system to maybe help us with Kike getting older, great shortstop, third baseman, locked down for years. Catcher, with Vasquez doing what he's doing right now, I trust him behind the plate for a few more years. Hunter Renfro needs to be replaced. We need a left a true left fielder and Verdugo as our guy in center field for years to come. So realistically, we need four positions. Not four, three. Three. First, second, and the two corners. So four positions. We get those dynasty. Dynasty. But talking a little bit about guys who we had in the Andrew Benetani trade, one of the guys who went under the radar was a guy named Josh Winkowski. Now, he came over from the Royals and is currently playing up in Maine, currently up in the cold weather up in Portland. Right? He currently, throughout this season, has a 1-3-3 ERA and in his last start allowed one hit in seven scoreless innings. So this is a plus from the Andrew Benintendi trade when Cordero's been a little bit of a dud. Right, He has been out here. Um in that one hit game, he gave up just one hit, no walks, struck out nine. Right now, throughout the season, he has two and zero with a one three three ERA, point eight nine WHIP in five starts. He holds his opposition to a one fifty two batting average. Now, like I said, with Cordero being a bust and everybody who was against the Andrew Benintendi trade at the start being right right now. This is just a little bit of light to say, you know what? It's not as bad as it seems, you know? Yeah. Um, even if even if the Andrew Benatendi trade didn't go through, like he's playing well right now, but I think probably mostly he just needed a change of scenery because he just it wasn't working in Boston. There was some disconnect at Boston. Mm-hmm. So even if he stayed, I don't think it would have been all that great. Mm-hmm. But it's That's- definitely exciting to here that he's doing well, this new pitcher. That's what I'm saying. You know, with Andrew Benintendi, people are like, oh, we shouldn't have traded him. I'm like, do you realistically think that he would put up these numbers in Boston? Maybe Andrew Benintendi had the Sunday Gray syndrome. You know, great in small market teams where he didn't have that much pressure on him and he can just play the game. Terrible in big market teams, right? Sunny Gray, New York, atrocious. And then he goes back to Cincinnati and is awesome. You know, it 
it's the mix there. But with this guy, right, with Josh Minkowski, uh, who said this? Heinz said this. Um, Heinz was talking about him. He said there's a good foundation there. The changeup shows a lot of promise. It's a pretty hard changeup right now, but you could still have success with that. It's more of a power change, and that pitch is going to evolve, but I think his other stuff will evolve too. And he's going to learn different ways to use his pitches as he goes. And like we said, Heim Bloom, one of the best people out there at building up a farm system. He picks guys for a reason, not guys just fill a place. He picks guys because he believes they have major league potential and is going to help us three, four years down the road. So with this starting off, I'm happy about it. You know, it's up. It's not there yet, but it's the right steps to get there. And by the way, before we go on to our final two segments, I just have to ask, is that a Green Bay sticker behind you? <laughs> yeah, uh, a, f- a couple fat heads. There's like there's like a Julio Jones. I don't know if you guys can see it. Julio Jones. There's a Red Sox. I think it's Papelbon. Oh, God. I got a few. I got a few. Actually, I can't say that. Papelbon and the Red Sox was great. Papelbon and the Phillies, we want to forget about. Yeah. yeah. So – I'm, I'm usually not one for laughing at another team's failure because we were that one team's failure last year. But the Colorado Rockies are currently on pace to become the worst road team in MLB history. Now, Major League Baseball has been going on for over 100 years right now. I believe it's 118 I believe we started in 1903. So this was the worst. If they keep going at the pace of going, they're going to be the worst road team ever. Throughout their first 25 road games, they have a 3-22 and record. That is a road percentage win of 120. And that puts them to be the worst by, the, by a big margin. The last, the right now, the worst road team ever was the 1935 Boston Braves. So please take that record from us. Take it for your own. But that is a 167 road win percentage. Right now, the Rockies are at a 120 road win percentage. So my question is, how do you possibly be this bad? At home, they're not terrible. On the road, they suck. Yeah, I think basically on the road, I think a huge portion of it is probably veteran presence and actually like leadership. And maybe it has to do a lot with Arenado leaving. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's just maybe a bunch of young guys just don't really know the, the way to go about stuff while on the road. Mm-hmm. And uh, that could definitely be hurting them. Which you got to see this team is definitely in rebuilding mode and they've been in rebuilding mode for the past six years, somewhere Absolutely, around there. Yeah. They, there's never a playoff contender, but nobody has had a road win percentage under 195 since 1945 in the past. What is that? 60, 75, about 75, 76 ish years. This will be the first team to have a win percentage under a 195. And it's just weird to think about. Like, you have a team like the Red Sox, who are an average team at home, 
but are just completely dominant on the road. And then you have this team who comes in here and has it. They're, they're almost average at home. They're almost 500 at home. And then you go to another team and you, you're statistically that bad. It's almost impossible. You know, but going on to our final segment, Atlanta brave star, Marcel Ozuna was arrested on Saturday. He was arrested yesterday after an alleged domestic violence incident happened in Sandy Springs, Georgia on aggravated assault strangulation, if I could speak today, and misdemeanor battery family violence charges. The team hasn't commented on it yet. They're going to obviously look into it, let the legal system play out as it is. But the reports are saying that Ozuna grabbed his victim by the neck and was throwing her against the wall. They also say that Ozuna struck the victim with his arm, which has a cast from a previous injury. Even even if he comes back and is not indicted for anything, that is a terrible look. Yeah. MLB can't yeah. have this. This is very bad. Uh, terrible look for not even just baseball, for professional athletes in general. Because this always goes back to professional athletes. And I think I was, somebody told me, I think this charge could be like three years minimum. So, I mean, this is he's, – he's – probably done baseball if if this uh is it's, through if this it's goes through. not a good look you know and i mean mlb has had their fair share of guys who just did some crimes that were terrible like what was it last year the pirates guy the pirates closer had a relationship with a 14 year old girl in florida why why like, you're a professional baseball player. You could probably sleep with whoever you wanted to, but yet you choose. But anyway, don't don't want to give that guy any airtime, you know. But with with something like this, if he doesn't get um, acquitted or get any jail time, the MLB surely needs to step in and do something about this and get it to where he does not play baseball at least for the rest of the year, if not years to come. Oh yeah, he's even if the charges don't stick, he's still like the MLB will lay down the hammer with this one. Like they're gonna definitely suspend, like maybe a full year, maybe more. Who knows? I really, I really, really do hope so because we can't have we can't have room like that for the greatest sport in America. Yeah, we need to, and that's something that the MLB truly needs to crack down on. Yeah, we have. All these allegations of cheating and Josh Donaldson saying he's going to come out and put the hammer on people who are cheating. But this is a true legal matter. You know what I mean? We got to we gotta put our hands in on that. But with that being said, that is all I got to talk about today. Patrick, give me one good thing that's happened to you this week. <laughs> uh, I got an internship. Ooh, Sounds good. Nice. With what? Engineering. Highway engineering. Damn. Okay. Please don't break anything. <laughs> yeah, that's, hopefully. That's all I got to ask. You know, that is the one college credit I need before I get my bachelor's degree is I need to complete one internship. And let me tell you, for the field I'm in, in the middle of Tennessee, there's not much. <laughs> there's not much down here. But with that being said, that is awesome. 
for you. Anything else you want to say to the people before we sign off? No, it's, it's fun. Thanks for having me. Bro, I'm definitely going to have you again. You already know. Sometime within the next probably, you know, two to three months closer to the end of the season, we'll get you back on, get your opinions on everything. You already know. So awesome. with that being said, God bless you guys. Make sure I'm going to leave your Instagram down in the bio so people can people can follow if you they if they still please make sure to follow Patrick because he is just an awesome dude. Sad that he's from New Jersey, but you know he he's living. And like we said, Cowboys fan. He's got a Packers thing behind him. Which, if you're any semblance of a Packers fan, anybody out there, I apologize. You need a hug. All right, but. Like I said, God bless you guys. Hope you enjoy this on the Lord's Day. Let's roll that out your music. We'll see you guys next time. Denim jeans, broken dreams in my pocket. Golden thing around my neck like a locket. Call your name in my mind because you Listen